There. This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of bloodthirsty vegetarians what's happening diggity dog uh, i'm just chillaxing you know you're chilling you're relaxing you're chillaxing that's right <laughs> captain james t kirk in the house that boy loved that leftover roast beef <laughs> <laughs> solid beef <laughs> uh, no what does he say it's solid beef baby I, yeah baby <laughs> yeah that like I, I told you, that's probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> There's a thing on YouTube that's making fun of MTV Cribs. It's called Star Trek Cribs, and you've got to view the one that says Director's Cut because it's longer. And it's like this animated sort of stop-motion-looking thing with Star Trek action figures, although I suspect it was just pure animation. No, that was the real action figures. Were they? Because their facial expressions changed a lot. They winked and they blinked. How did they do that with action figures? Now what they what they do if you if you notice they cut their heads off and they probably made custom heads and it's a technique that they use in stop action they used it in uh, in like the you know the Rudolph the reindeer red nosed reindeer thing and um, what was that I want to be a dentist thing I can't remember that you know was the, the Rudolph those, that was Rudolph yeah anyways they what they do is they put different heads and each head has a different mouth position so if they want them to speak they just pop the different heads on oh and. So they're identical except for the mouth positions, or they have another technique where they pop different mouthpieces in, but you can see the the thing. Anyways, yeah, it's a, there's a show on. I think it's called Robot Chicken or something like that, where that's all they do is stop motion with action figures. Well, apparently that production company that did that is called G4TV.com or something like that, and they must well, spoof. It's a television channel. Oh, okay, yeah. And they must, I don't know, is that just, were those just ads for the, the television channel, or do they have a show on there that's sort of like that? I don't know. I think that maybe that Robot Chicken is on there, or it might be on Comedy Central or something, or maybe there were just bumpers for the TV channel, or the, or the yeah, whatever, the station, the cable channel. Yeah, that could be. Well, terribly funny. Uh, Star <laughs> Trek Cribs, the director's cut, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Artwork. Dope. Dope. <laughs> Scotty, like always, bringing the power. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> you know, I can do an impression of Herbie, the dentist guy from the uh, from the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer stop motion thing. <laughs> okay, go for it. I haven't done it in a while, but uh, he used to say, "I want to be a dentist." <laughs> That's him. And then there was the head elf, and I've got to back away from the microphone for this. There was the head elf with like the little goatee, right? And he right. would he would say. Oh what! <laughs> and that was <laughs> that was me screaming. Oh what! <laughs> when when Herbie would say a dentist. Maybe around Christmas time we'll do a reenactment of that. Who was that woman who used to have the little sock puppet, and she used to talk like that too? Um, that would be not Carol Channing. But no, that is Carol uh, Channing. Yeah, Carol. That's Channing. Carol Channing spoke like that. But, oh, okay, but, not the sock puppet one. But anyway, that's why Carol Channing was Herbie. Not really, but they sounded like. 
Yeah. Well, I was going to say YouTube is one of the, the best things that has come along in a long time. And after Rich sent me that, it, it always gets me into this frenzy where I'm just going onto YouTube, just surfing through all the ridiculousness. And I found probably the best channel on the planet. And it's this Japanese stuff where they have, I don't know if it's a game show. I don't know if it's a competition. I don't know if it's just a variety show. But it's <laughs> four zombie scientist-looking people dressed up as um, people come on. Just average people come on the show. They stand on this platform. They do what I think is an impression or impersonation of someone. And then in the middle of the impersonation, the floor drops out from underneath them. And then everyone laughs. And they do that like 40 times in a row. Put a link up on the, uh, when you do the show entry, put a link to the Star Trek uh, Cribs and that Japanese thing. That's pretty oh, funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I spent literally probably two hours last night watching it. And it's stuff that transcends language, as I was telling Rich last night. It totally transcends language. And I'm thinking, why is that? And it's the same thing with, like, Harold Lloyd and all those. It's slapstick. It doesn't matter what they're saying. It's the fact that they're in the middle of a sentence and they get dropped into a pit. <laughs> <laughs> Down to the furnaces like on Willy Wonka. Right. And then uh, something that was an added bonus is that, that one guy seems to be like a repeat guest who um, he's dressed up like a baseball player. He comes out and he does the the various stances and he impersonates the different baseball players in the major leagues and in, in the Japanese leagues. And you can you can tell who he's doing. And he also hums this song as he's doing it every time. Oh, it's just priceless. Yeah, I'll put links up. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I can get lost on YouTube for hours. I've done it. And that's how I discovered. I don't even know what I typed in that eventually, you know how YouTube makes suggestions in the right panel right. Of, of things that might be similar, perhaps, you know, now that Google owns them, they probably have some hardcore analysis software, you know, tunneling into your brain so they'll know what you like. And somehow I, I wasn't looking for anything Star Trek related and I got I saw Star Trek Cribs and I went, what the heck is that? And I just laughed my ass off. Really funny. You know, I, I haven't talked about Floyd Landis in a while, but I'm going to do it, John, whether you want me to or not. All right, can I go home? Oh, wait, I am home. That's right. You are home. Let's see. What's going on with Floyd? Well, his hearing is like scheduled for April, I think, so there's no chance. He's given up any hope of racing this season, and he's hoping to do that next season. And one thing he started, and you know what? I'm going to drop a $20 bill on it. He has started the Floyd Fairness Fund, and it's probably a PayPal thing to help offset some of his legal costs since he has yet to... Uh, get any of the Tour de France winnings, he won't be able to do that if and until he is cleared. Wow. So, so anyway, that's the latest Floyd news. And this is going to be a really expensive legal bill. And there's so many questions uh, for me that I think there's still a good chance he didn't do it. I don't know. This isn't denial. This isn't me talking out of my butt. This is me looking at a lot of the evidence and a lot of the results in the paperwork from the lab and going, hmm, something's not right here. So did they take the funds and they locked them up? They didn't strip him entirely so it's pending the the results of whatever appeal process he's got in place yes he is still considered the tour de france champion officially until they take it from him and they cannot do that until after these hearings okay and where yeah, the money I guess is that's fair the money is probably in escrow somewhere and it's probably gaining interest and he probably won't get the interest but you know that's probably what they're doing with it yeah the lawyers are probably hoping that the the battle goes on longer so that they can collect more interest yeah. So you know what? We have a segment, John. We have a new thing. We do? An occasional segment. What is this? 
This is a little vignette that there's a guy with a podcast out there. I I hipped you to him. His oh yeah yeah yeah. His it's name a, it is a real segment. Yeah yeah. His name is Grizzly, and he does a show called Grizzly's Growls. And I think he has since changed his podcast name to a minor local celebrity. I think that's what he's calling himself now. But anyway, his URL is still grizzly.libsyn.org. Grizzly.libsyn.org. Oh no, is it dot com or dot org? I don't know, but we'll find out and put it up. Grizzly.libson.com, maybe. But I just, I don't know, I found his podcast and I listened to it and I was like, this guy's a really good storyteller. I mean, he's one of those guys who could be a professional storyteller. I, I like his stories. They're from the heart. They're personal. John had the idea. Well, why don't you tell him? I had the idea that we occasionally have a segment with Grizzly just telling a story for us. Something well, shorter maybe- than his normal podcast, a little vignette. Yeah. You know what? The way I pitched it to him was maybe he has something that's not, you know, the full 12 minute piece that he does on his podcast. Maybe he's got a little two or three minute piece and didn't take him long. And it's actually, I've had it for about six weeks and I've been waiting to, for John and I to be able to listen to it when we're in the same room. But he's been asking when we're going to play it. So I figured it's about time we'd play it. Yeah. And you should, because I've got a little bit of news that's related. Oh, well, let's listen to Grizzly, who is now called a minor local celebrity with his little vignette. Hi, Rich. Hi, John. This is Grizzly. Sorry to hear about your basement flood. I know how miserable that can be. Reminds me of something that happened when I was younger. But as you know from my Grizzly's Growls podcast, everything does. When I was a kid, our house was fairly large, up a steep hill from the highway. When I was maybe ten or so, Dad had a full basement added under the house. It was well-constructed and well-drained, and Being up on the hill like that meant it was a reliably dry basement. Four of us five kids had our rooms down in the basement. Not finished, but eventually we had walls at least. Well, one morning in the spring, I was maybe 14 at the time, I woke up and started to roll out of bed until I noticed the basement floor was under maybe six inches of water. That was pretty surreal for me. I was pretty shaken by it. But eventually I got up and waded to the stairs. The sump pump was running, but the water was still rising. The rest of the family had no ideas why it was flooding and were trying to bail it out with buckets and having no luck. And then my Asperger's came to the rescue. As you know, I have Asperger's syndrome, a condition on the autistic spectrum. And some people say that people on the spectrum think in pictures. As for me, I think more in shapes, patterns, how things fit together, or how mechanisms work. I have something of a knack for solving physical puzzles. I first thought, well, why is the basement flooding? It's spring, the snow's melting, but, well, we've had several springs with no flooding, not even dampness, certainly nothing like this. Usually the drain tiles let the water drain away from the building before it's a problem. I waded out through the snow banks to the front of the hill, checked where the drain tiles came out, no obvious blockage, so what's different? Well, the difference was that spring we'd had freezing temps at night and warm temps during the day. Freeze, thaw, freeze, thaw. So I started thinking maybe the draining water froze, thawed a bit, but not all the way during the day. Another layer froze, a little thaw, and so on. Maybe we had an ice dam. So I waded back down to the basement, hooked a garden hose on the basement utility sink, added another length of garden hose on the end, Dragged it out the basement window, across the snow banks, and to the end of the drain tiles, and I sprayed some hot water up the tiles. 
Initially, I thought it wasn't going to help, but finally, a little more water was coming out than I was spraying in, and a little more, and then finally a lot more water came rushing out, and kept rushing out. It took maybe half a day for the water to finally drain out of the basement and the saturated ground around it. I was very proud of coming up with the idea, and my family was suitably impressed, I think. But I still had to help squeegee the rest of the water off the basement floor and over the sump pump. Another couple of days of that. Never did really trust that basement again. I hope, uh, what was it, Corleone and Sons Insurance helps you get your basement studio up and running again soon. Talk at you later. So, John, do you really use Corleone and Sons Insurance? <laughs> no. Or is no. it Genco Insurance? What is it? It's it's a subsidiary of Genco Olive Oil. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a neat little piece, obviously inspired by John's flooded cellar woes. Yeah, and thanks thanks again, Grizzly, you minor local celebrity, you. <laughs> That's right. Nice piece, and every once in a while, hopefully, he'll send us something. Apparently, he listens to our podcast. I've been his his is one of the few podcasts that I actually listen to. I find a lot of them unlistenable and. I don't know, you know, but his is the first one that really made me want to go out there and get every episode and listen as they're as they're released. No, I think he's he's got talent. Yeah, and and uh to the point, um my basement is under construction. It's been under construction for about a week now, and one room um and I haven't sent pictures to Rich at all cuz I wanted to be fully surprised. One room that was uh almost utterly destroyed. Uh the walls are up. They're putting a, a coat of primer on there. There's no carpet on the floor yet. But in the second room, a uh, fresh coat of paint is on the walls. Brand new floor is in place. Uh, trim. Uh, the studio, quote-unquote, bathroom has a new floor, some new wall material, uh, a new toilet. Uh, no, that, so that's, a, that's a commode. It's a, it's a commode. My laundry room has a new floor. Or, yeah, it's, or it's a water it's closet, great. a WC. WC. I haven't heard that in a long time. I just have one word to describe the reconstruction of your basement. What's that? Dope. Dope. <laughs> I'm going to put some artwork on the wall of a giant ear. I absolutely loved the Warhol Spock painting in the background of uh, behind O'Hara's head. It was like four panes of Spock's head in different colors. Did you notice it? Yeah. Uhuru! Keep the salsa on the chip! <laughs> You guys got to see this Star Trek Cribs. It's really funny. Even if you don't like Star Trek, it's freaking hysterical. Anyway. Hey, you want to jump into a tune? Hit it, bro. Yeah. Let's check it out. In this box of tools, I've got variety. I could fix the file suit if it's leaking And if my engine knocks, I'll tune it up And I could fix the motor if it won't cut No matter what I do, I just can't fix up me Of tools, I've got a bunch of things. 
Does that remind you of anything, John? Um, it reminds me of the Scoundrels. Close. That is actually the little brother singing and playing guitar, I think. I think he's the guitarist. To Jerry and the Fiends, that sort of cosmopolitan pop punk band that we play every once in a while. And that's him, that sort of rich baritone voice. Not quite as, as bold as Jerry's, but it definitely, you can tell they're related. Yeah, they've got some uh, common genetics. There's a little, uh, at least half the gene pool. Cool. So I got another segment. Uh-oh. We're, we're all segmented out. <laughs> I have many segments, line segments. You're, you're like a uh, multi-segmented body. A few months ago, you did a piece where you wrote five questions, and I, I don't think you made me aware of them in advance, or did you? I don't recall. But, uh, seconds in advance. Sec moments in advance. So I came up with like four questions. I was bored at work and some really weird thoughts started flitting around my mind. And I went, you know, those would be fun questions. Oh, great. And some of these are things that I've thought of and my friends and I have thought of in the past. I don't know if you've been one of the people, you know, who was privy to that discussion. But I'm going to jump right in. All right. Hit me. Rich's weird questions. We need theme music like, uh, what's his name? Paul Schaefer. We should have him Rich's write something. questions. <laughs> All right. Question number one. If you had to lose a limb by choice, which one would it be? In other words, somebody said you can either lose a limb or die. Hmm. So, I, you know, I always think about, you know, the least utilitarian limb that I have. Are you talking about like the full extremities, the full limb? So we're not talking fingers. We're talking... Full limb, arm or leg? Yeah, I'm going to say arm or leg. Or anything else that extends from the body. No, I don't think those would be limbs. Some of those would be organs. <laughs> well, you know, some of us can use them as limbs. Yeah. Mine's prehensile. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe 
Maybe my left leg. Why would you choose your left leg? Well, put it this way. I don't want to choose my, uh, my arms. I need my arms. To me, my arms are very important. Uh, drawing, sketching, doodling, uh, typing, those are very important things to me. Um, I figured I could probably get a prosthetic to walk, and I usually kick and uh, I'm dominant with my right leg, so I figured the, the least used leg is my left one. Okay, well, that's logic. You applied some logic to it, and I did the same thing. I would probably pick my left arm because then I could still ride bikes, and I'm right-handed, so the left arm would probably be my least useful limb based on where I am in my life right now. Yeah, that's probably my second choice. All right. Okay, question number two. I want to go back to question number one. Maybe I could lose both legs and get some of those those blades, and I can run like a cheetah. Well, you could at least get disability. <laughs> you might right, that's true. <laughs> All right, question two. Question number two. Okay, if you were a pro wrestler, which manager from the, the like late 70s to early to late 80s, golden days of Vince McMahon wrestling, which manager would you choose to be your manager? Classy Freddie Blassie, the Grand Wizard, or Captain Lou Albano? It's not even a question. Classy Freddie Blassie. <laughs> really? Why, yes. why, why him? Captain Lou was just basically a psychotic, and with the rubber bands on his beard, <laughs> right. just didn't get that. Well, Cindy Lauper uh, liked him. Yeah, classy Freddie Blass, he, he seemed like he could uh, manage funds better. <laughs> I guess that's the only answer I've got. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, for me, it would either be classy Freddie Blassie or the Grand Wizard. And you know what? I think I'm going to have to go with the Grand Wizard just for the turban. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Anyone with a turban has got class. <laughs> exactly. See, I told you, these were, this is just a silly segment, so if any of you are expecting a deep political discussion, and you're not going to get it today. <laughs> yeah, we're not in that mood. All right, question number three. If you had leprosy, to what island would you want to be exiled? Jeez. If you had leprosy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one with the best health care system. <laughs> Okay, so what 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 island do you think that would be? Hawaii. <laughs> well, I was picking Hawaii just for the the tropical nature of it, and then I thought, but you know, Easter Island would would be a cool place to visit too. Yeah, but Easter Island is completely depleted of natural resources. That's right. There's very few trees left after all of those druids built those giant stone Heads. faces. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing there. No, I'm going to Hawaii because I could at least you know probably collect social security well and disability since you have no legs and you nope, have leprosy I've, I've already lost my left leg i've got leprosy what else are you doing to me with these questions yeah i would choose either australia or hawaii you know i could do either they're, you know i, I could probably cool. get a wrestling gig too <laughs> you might be able the to wild leper <laughs> and um, i'm gonna get you brother <laughs> I have a fourth question. I couldn't come up with five. We normally do five, but I have a fourth. Maybe you can think of a fifth. And I actually think I know the answer because I think I heard you talk about this a few months ago. And my answer is probably the same as yours. But what would be your least favorite way to die? Yeah, I've talked about this. Um, drowning, hands down. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it would be like 24 hours of Leonard Skinnerd music or something. <laughs> I it wouldn't kill you, but it would come close. <laughs> no, but that's what I call Skinnered suicide. 
it would force you into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for me, it would be drowning, too. I definitely wouldn't want to drown. And there was a Mythbusters on today about cars going in water and the whole deal about how much time you have to open the door before the the pressure of the water outside the door makes it so you can't open it. And all Mm -hmm. of that imagery started popping into my mind when Jamie or whatever his name is, was in the car and he's like, Oh my God, the water's at my knees. And he's just waiting for it to like envelop him, you know? And so he can see if he can get out of the car. Yeah. I mean, for me, drowning is, is a lot of things combined. First, you can't breathe. Obviously. I mean, that's the definition of it. Um, the second thing is I've got a slight case of claustrophobia too. I, I just cannot stand really tight confined spaces. And so, if you drowned we, in a big non confined space, you're okay. Uh, no, well, it doesn't matter because the thing is, when when you're surrounded by water and, and it's pressing in on you, it's again, it's total claustrophobia for me. So I've I've got like the double whammy on that one. You got a double whammy. Yeah, and the third thing is when I was a little kid, I almost drowned once. Um, so I've got this built-in fear of water that I've I've since overcome, but it still nags me every once in a while. How does one almost drown? Um, I was saved. <laughs> there you go. How old were you for that? Uh, I was probably six or seven. Yeah, it was. We were up at um, we had a camp up on White Lake, and I have one of those inner tubes, and you know, before they had the target stores with the uh, inflatable rings that had all sorts of government warnings on them. We just used inner tubes. Imagine that. Black inner tubes. I remember those days. Yeah. We had patches on them and everything. We had a whole bunch of them in, our, in the boathouse. But um, yeah, we had one inner tube. I put it out there and was floating around and it sprung a leak. And what ended up happening is I fell through it and the, I hate to say the word, the flaccid inner tube <laughs> wrapped around my foot. But there was a little bit of air caught in it. So it was holding my foot up, and I was underwater. So it was basically like suspending me underwater, and I couldn't reach up and grab it. So that's it. Wow. But, uh, yeah, my dad and my brother pulled me out. Wow, cool. Um, Every once in a while, I watch Discover Your Learning Channels, and there's a show on there that I think you've seen called Future Weapons. Yes. It's got some bald ex-Navy SEAL as a host, and he's, he's a good host. He's sort of interesting. And every once in a while I watch it, because, you know, not that I'm into guns and warfare, but it gives me something to talk about with Kirsten. And, um, but um, boom, come on, John. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not going to go there anymore. I think she's been bashed enough. Okay, we love Kirsten. But anyway, uh, no, that's not why I watch it. I don't even like talking to Kirsten. But there was this uh, segment. <laughs> we eat a rim shot for those moments. You have to cut those in. And it's only because she hasn't posted the podcast where she interviewed me slash you Many, many months ago. That's like a half a year ago already. I know. I was like 12. (laughs) So today they had a segment on, while I was warming down from my bike uh, trainer ride this morning, they had a segment on about landmines and removing landmines, a new kind of tool that's come about for landmine disposal, I guess would be the way. It's called a bomb. No, because that can set off other landmines, and you can have all sorts of chain reactions, and it can be catastrophic. So they've come up with this sort of Roman candle kind of – it's called the dragon, and it's basically a tube filled with some sort of explosive, but it doesn't – it's not a fast explosion. It it burns like a Roman candle or a sparkler or something. And what you do is once you've located the landmine, you ignite one of these things, and it shoots like 3,000 degrees of – 
heat at the top of the mine. It burns away the top of the mine so quickly the explosive in, inside doesn't have time to explode in a quick kind of explosion, and that exposes the explosive to the heat of the flame, and then it just burns away safely. Huh. These are the kind of tools that I, I really approve of because the UN estimates that there is something like 10 million mines landmines scattered around fields and of course nine out of ten times it's not a soldier walking into those things it's a kid or an, an innocent person yeah and from what i've also heard that it's not just landmine it's just unexploded ordnance you know they might may have like a shell fired and uh hits the ground and it's unexploded and it gets buried and someone goes and tills that land 30 years later and it blows up yeah war is great yeah. Landmines, bad. That was one of the great things that Lady Di did. She was very outspoken against the use of landmines. Yep. So. Oh, yeah. And that, that future weapons guy. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but there was um, there was a maybe it was a show hosted by Mike Rowe on Discovery Channel where they they had a bunch of videos that were sent in by uh, Discovery Channel watchers, viewers, and they were spoofs of all of the Discovery Channel shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you not? Have you seen this? I don't think I have. I think I've heard about it though. Oh man! Well, there was one that was spoofing the future weapons, and the guy was the guy was spot on with his impersonation. He, you know, he had the bald head and everything, and he kept reminding the audience every ten minutes as a as a, 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 a former Navy SEAL, as a former Navy SEAL, ten years in the Navy SEALs, he kept mentioning that as if he, you know, his credibility as having a bald head wasn't enough. And, and the, the weapon that they were focusing on was a rock. <laughs> <laughs> they were showing all the different ways it could be used. <laughs> yeah, but could that guy sit down with a sniping rifle and at 2,500 yards come within eight inches of a bullseye? Yeah, that was pretty impressive. I couldn't believe it when I saw him do that. That's just superhuman. So you want to do another tune? <laughs> yeah, turn right. me up. Let's check it out.
I like that guy, Eric Mongrain. How does one tap air? I don't know, but that song was called Air Tap. In other words, air it was tap. Air Tap with an exclamation point on the end. It's not like Spinal Tap at all. No, it's not. Although the fluid is similar. Yeesh. <laughs> so I saw a film with one of your boys. Boy. Boy. Last King of Scotland with your boy Forrest. I think he won an Academy Award for this uh, performance. Why is he one of my boys? Well, you always said you were a big fan. So he's your oh, boy. I, I am. Yeah, my boy would would imply that we actually have a relationship of some sort. It's so weird, though, because this was so different than the Gump role he did all those years ago. Gump? Forrest? Different Forrest. Oh, this which, was Forrest Whitaker. That's right. Yeah, and it's not Lawrence Fishburne. I think someone mentioned uh, that once where that was one of his major annoyances that he, people kept going up to him and asking him if he was Lawrence Fishburne and they loved him in The Matrix. Except Lawrence Fishburne is about 60 pounds lighter. Well, he doesn't look the same either. And he doesn't have the weak eye. That's right. So this film is about a character who sort of got in Idi Amin's inner circle in Uganda and became his personal physician. And there actually was a personal physician to Idi Amin, and I don't think he was Scottish. In fact, someone told me, and I don't know if there's any truth to this, but Idi Amin's doctor was actually an Indian fellow, and he resides in Utica. That's what I heard. And Utica is the town around here where John and I kind of grew up. No way. Well, it could be. Could be way. But this film is about a Scottish lad who goes to Africa to do volunteer work, working in like a British clinic in Uganda. And he happens upon an accident on the road of Idi Amin, who was out campaigning to be president or something, or, or campaigning for the coup to be president. I don't quite know how it worked. And he had a broken wrist or something, and this guy treated him on the road, and because he was Scottish and not British, Idi Amin loved him, and he got in the inner circle and got to see all of the brutality and whatnot that the Amin, what do they call it? The uh, regime. Regime, right. Not an administration, the Amin regime, say that ten times fast. The things that they did, and ultimately this character ended up getting out of the country with his life intact. So the the film was largely fictitious and based on a few facts, and they made this, crafted this new story around it. And Whitaker's performance was amazing and terrifying at the same time. Have you seen that yet? I have not, but it's definitely one of my uh, uh, top five on my, my, my queue. He was terrifying. I finally saw The Departed because after seeing the the, uh, the Academy Awards when Forrest Whitaker won for Best Actor and seeing um, Scorsese finally win for, for Director and then The Departed got Best Film, I put those two on, on my top five, so I should be getting that one soon. Yeah, and I'm going to see The Departed soon, too. I haven't seen that yet. But Whitaker was just terrifying in this. He was so believable. I mean, I had to look away from this film a couple of times because there were a few times when he was doling out punishment for people that he had thought had wronged him, including this doctor. And they were kind of gruesome, the scenes, you know. And, you know, you just look at him and go, boy, that's going to leave a mark. That had to hurt. Uh, well, I did see Forrest Whitaker on Inside the Actor's Studio after uh, the film came out and before he won the award. And uh, he's a pretty amazing guy. I, he's got so much talent. He's You've been a big fan for a long time. I, I seem to recall you talking about him 15 years ago, being a big fan. And, well, I think your prediction was right. Well, yeah. I mean, he's just got look at the goods. films he's done. Bird. Yeah. Don't you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Another amazing role. He should have gotten the award then. 
Well, you know, Hollywood is littered with people who deserved awards long ago, Scorsese, and uh, finally got them <laughs> recently. You know what I mean? Yeah, and now I'm I'm not giving away much, but you know, I really enjoyed The Departed. Maybe enjoyed is not the is not the right word. But I I, I really liked that film quite a bit. But I don't think it's Scorsese's strongest work. Oh no, no. And and was and, Scent of uh, a Woman Pacino's strongest work? I mean, you know, uh, no. But it's pretty memorable. Hooah! Yeah, it was it was memorable. He had the lines, you know. <laughs> well, no, but Scorsese definitely deserved it uh, twenty years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, Pacino probably deserved it for Dog Day Afternoon. I mean, for me, that is still absolutely. his strongest performance. My, I work with a guy who's a Godfather maniac in The Sopranos, and he thinks he was great in The Godfather. But I thought the performance was stronger in Dog Day. Oh yeah. He's he's had a lot of great performances. I mean, well, he's one outside of, our, of the Godfather roles. He's one of our best. Mm-hmm. Now he's just sort of a cartoon of himself, though. Yeah, his voice got really raspy, and he's just sort of a... <laughs> almost like De Niro, too. De Niro's sort of become a cartoon guy, too, because he's... So many guys do impressions of him, and like Nicholson, it's like this giant caricaturable guy, you know? Yeah. And they, they're sort of caricatures of themselves now, you know? And, and that's probably one of the... the problems that I had with The Departed, and we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, is that Nicholson seemed to be just playing another Nicholson. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, the last film I saw that he didn't play just another Nicholson was about Schmidt, and I think that was his strongest performance in a long time. Yeah. So anyway, Last King of Scotland, it's a Kevin MacDonald film, 2006 uh, UK film, uh, rated R, 123 minutes. So if you're out there and you've got a queue to put it in, put it in your queue. Yeah, stick it right in your queue. Yeah, stick it where the queue don't shine. <laughs> anyway, I I think that's a show. It's a shoe. <laughs> anyway, check us out on the web, www.bloodyveg.com. Please participate in our lonely forum, bloodyveg.com slash forum. We haven't had anybody posting on the forum in a while. It's It's a little lonely. You can hear echoes over there. Yeah, I'm going to have to start putting some controversial pictures up there. Well, you should post yourself, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a little, uh, you're a little uh, invisible up there yourself. And uh, I've been think? busy. All right. Send us feedback to feedback at bloodyveg.com. And include some cash. That's right. Some wine, anything you got. And remember, you're listening to the VIB. 